selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Celebrity Book Club. It's all your friends, you filthy whore. Your husband's gone, and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill. It's Hollywood. It's books. It's gossip. I'm shook. It's memoirs. It's martinis. It's Studio 54. It's Celebrity Book Club. Come read it while it's hot. Celebrity Book Club. Tell your secrets, we won't talk. Celebrity Book Club. No boys are allowed. Celebrity Book Club. Club. Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo. Hey, best friend. <laughs> hey, best friend. <laughs> How is my dog doing today? Oh, golly gee, Willikers. I am doing honestly okay. How are you? Thanks for checking in. No, it's been a really rough week with the invasion of Ukraine. And, you know, I know everyone has a lot on their plate, especially podcasters. And so... Thank you for, yeah, just for asking how I am, because it has been tough, sweetheart. Um, okay, so, yeah, we read an epic book this week. A newly topical book as of a few months ago, I guess. Last May, I believe. Oh, was it really that while ago? Yeah. Well, because I went to, okay, so we read DMX's memoir, Earl, the autobiography of DMX, as told to Smokey D. Fontaine. 
Love. Which is such an amazing name. Love when a ghost written is an as told to. Because it's almost more honest. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Mind mouth. Rather than like a with or like something. It's It's like, yeah, it's absolutely as told to Smokey D. I know. It's like, let's drop the ruse that DMX and Smokey D are like side by side (laughs) at their laptops. Click, Google docking click, click. it. No, they're in the same Google Doc. <laughs> like, let's just drop that charade. I feel like it was all as told to on one weekend in Phoenix. Yeah, because it keeps coming back to this just like wild drive in the Arizona desert. Rattlesnakes. Dogs. And then present day DMX like sitting in his car being like, oh, this is all I asked for, but also, like, fame is crazy. And, like, he can only get solace, like, sitting in his car in, like, a parking lot in Phoenix, which also the same. It's very country music to just be like, it's only the open road for me. Which, to bring up Blasey again, I feel like in this book, Smokey D. Fontaine is like, oh, Phoenix hadn't really seen any celebrities besides like a few like golf players and maybe some athletes. But in Rosa Blasey's book, she says the best place to look for Celebrity athletes is Phoenix, Phoenix. like the Phoenix airport and like various yeah. Ruth Chris's steakhouse in Phoenix. Right, Ruth Chris's. But I guess they hadn't seen some to the stature of fame as DMX. Yeah. And maybe it's also like, I don't know. I mean, this was this book was written about 2000. So I think like Phoenix is one of the fastest growing metropolitan areas in the country. And I think over the past 10 years, it's expanded quite a lot, become much more of a destination year round. And an investment yes. because we both have investments and in- we own fractional shares in several homes in the greater Phoenix area. And we'll be talking more about arrived homes and our investments in the VIP VIP lounge. You'll learn all about how to become a fractional landlord in fast-growing metropolitan areas. (laughs) Raleigh, Durham. (laughs) So in this book is also, so again, it's called E-A-R-L and I'm sorry, I I can't quite get to the cover because I read this on an iPad um, because since my book did not arrive in time, I did have to download a pirated copy from a Russian book website in honor of the Ukrainian invasion. Oh, okay. um, and it does, it, it, the website is dmxworld.ru. Now we know where you stand. Not cool, Stephen. <laughs> I looked for Ukrainian cool. pirated DMX websites and there weren't any. Okay, I tried. This is very those tweets that are like, do not shame an old woman when you're getting pierogies like right now, because when you go to Brighton Beach for food, like don't shame your storekeeper. Yeah, I saw you signal boost that into my TL. Thank you so much, Lil. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm a big supporter of Brighton Beach small um, restaurants. (laughs) So food adventure life. Okay, so the cover of this book is DMX kind of hugging himself in that way when you can pretend you're making out with yourself. Yeah. It's like a physical <laughs> ga- gag. Love a good physical gag. Yeah, he's definitely, and that, I'm sure that was the intention of the photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I want to look like I'm making out with myself. Um, it's in that kind of like sepia tone that was big in, I feel, I want to say hip hop photo shoots in the late 90s. Yeah. You disagree. And also, I'm just like, sure, I guess. The kind of reddish sepia. I don't know. I don't think that you really see this. And I think a black and white photo these days, honey, it's just black and white. You know, they're not giving it a tint. 
no, they're giving this the tin. And in the book, it has like a lot of fun kind of being a little scrapbooky with like old photos and lyrics. And then we have glossy photos. I do. Yeah, I do love. So this book has little scrapbook photos, like every few pages um, kind of presented Polaroid style. And you see the inside of the projects, the school, you know, the street corner, the grandma's house. It's like he's showing all the locations and really giving you a, a visceral sense of the area where okay. he grew up. My favorite photo in the glossy section of this book, because obviously DMX loves dogs, and we're going to get into that, is his face. I don't know if you have this in your PDF, but his face is like imposed into a dog. Oh, that, that is really <laughs> creepy. <laughs> yeah. That's giving the Cats remake movie. <laughs> no, it's very Taylor Swift and Cats. <laughs> it's very sort of uncanny valley, if we can use that phrase correctly or incorrectly. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. That's making me feel weird. <laughs> no, so I got to tell, obviously, DMX, huge influential rapper, died last year. And I wa- I walked by, <laughs> this is so podcaster, I like came across his funeral procession just like going to a natural wine <laughs> bar last year. <laughs> and it was like so many like wheelies and like at Barclays and like three-piece cars or whatever. And I was so, to me, just being like, to myself being like, me oh, I me. wish I went me me to me thought. I was like, uh, oh, I wish I went to his funeral procession earlier. <laughs> but then you were there and you were like, well, now I'm getting natural wine, so I'll just observe. Well, it distance. was a little like it was kind of over. Oh, it was like, wrapping I saw up. You saw the kind of, kind of the remnants. The procession leaving. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess this book depressed me because it ends on like such a spiritual God moment where he's like, I'm married, like I have my kids, like I have my album, like I know, and, and then it, he's 31 and then he died of like a cocaine. Well, but he did have like 50. 20 more good years than after this book was written. So I, I wouldn't say that it's so sad. It's like, yeah, he had, I mean, what annoyed me about this book I mean, was 50 it 50 is 50 is young. young. Absolutely. But. You do. You do have to remember that those were fifty good years, and we should. That's true. I don't them. have any hit albums yet, and I'm thirty blank. Right. So I do wish that this book had gone a little bit further. So my introduction to DMX, of course. So DMX, for those who don't know, became famous sort of the late nineties. Um, his crew is called the Rough Riders. Um, you may be familiar <laughs> with the sort of R logo. <laughs> 90s kids will get it. I mean, I remember me and Deanna just wrapping DMX through our private school, middle school halls. Badass. Yeah. Was that so you were listening to him in middle school? Middle school. Give a dog a bone. I mean my introduction to him, I would say, was the Aaliyah Jet Lee film uh Romeo Must Die, which is, you know, a, a modern take on the on the Romeo and Juliet story of and uh some you know, kind of like West Side story is in, in many ways. Um, but the warring gangs are a black gang and a Chinese gang, you know, fighting for waterfront rights. Um, and then Aaliyah and Jet Lee have this sort of star cross lovers story. Although they never even like fuck in the movie or even kiss this whole book is much more of like a rise to fame rather than like we're not getting much of his like film work no the famous movie belly that he was in a very influential film and it's like have you we seen don't it even really i have oh okay <laughs> yeah and it did influence you <laughs> It, well, I'm saying I think it influenced like more other filmmakers. I don't know if it influenced me as a hip hop filmmaker. Um, so his mom was a Jehovah's Witness, and it's like again, Jehovah's Witnesses, such a random religion <laughs> to me. 
Um, yeah, you know, and she was not very godly with all the beating. No, she wasn't. Really, really violent. Um, yes, yeah, so this book, like many books, you know, lots of abuse in the childhood. And kind of Sinead style. He is from Yonkers, which is just a set of New York, for those who don't know. So, you know, I've spent some time in Yonkers uh, somewhat recently. Oh, when we went to Pepe's <laughs> Pizza Place? <laughs> no, I mean, I was there for like one day but, uh, for okay. kind of like a memorial service kind of thing. Because, you know, my uh, my family friend, like, he, who died recently. Matt and, Matt and yeah. He, he grew up in Yonkers. His family owned like a candy store like in the 40s or whatever. Mm. Um, we did kind of like a walking tour of Yonkers, like see places that he had been and like went to his old school, which I don't know if it was the school that DMX went to or not. But what was kind of clear from walking around Yonkers is there is very much a tale of two Yonkers, which DMX quite adequately describes in the book where like you have like a very sort of like clean cut, upper middle class, white suburbia Yonkers and then you have the poorer black side of town. And, um, you know, that segregation still exists to this day. And we see that in urban areas all across the country. Absolutely. So. Anyway, I'm saying like it's the, the Yonkers of DMX's childhood seems like it's very much still kind of the Yonkers today. Although he does talk about how the waterfront, you could like really get up to no good at the waterfront. And they have very much like Buttigieg the waterfront since. Wait, are there like high tops? It was like all parking in high tops and condos and like empty condos and empty high tops. He mentioned the aqueduct also as like a place where like kids could like run and hide. And the aqueduct has now turned into like where the racetrack is and that casino, Resorts World Casino. And I think it stretches along the water. Well, hold on. You're thinking of Resorts World Casino by by JFK. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Well, don't you think, I mean, we'll have to get a map here, but I feel like the aqueduct does run from there to Yonkers. I think the aqueduct runs all the way from the Adirondacks or whatever, but I don't think he's talking about that. I don't think he, he wasn't like walking all the way down to like Queens and like JFK. Because sometimes he's running for so long and, and like him and I'm just like, how long have you been walking for? I was really impressed by his sense of direction in this book. Uh, yeah, he definitely does a lot of walking and running. Well, running became an escape for him, um, literally and figuratively. And then, of course, there's the time when he literally escapes from jail upstate. Right. And just runs and runs. And his friend is like, okay, stay here. I'll be right back. And then never comes back. And so this family just like takes him in and then he finds his way home. But they like ran for days. Which I was very impressed by and it was very cold upstate. So so just to back one second to his mom being a Jehovah's Witness. So there's one time when he gets hit by a car and he's like half the people in the ghetto like got hit, like got in some accident or something and like got money from it. And just like I was kind of hoping for like my payout. And then like someone came to his house and was like, you could get $10,000 like in wrongful like yeah accident injury lawsuit payment from this car accident and his mom was like no we're good because we're jehovah's witnesses so we're not supposed to take things that like we don't get yeah she was like he who is like not humble like doesn't take 10k and he was just like are you kidding Like, are you kidding me while he's, like, sleeping on the floor? And then she's, like, locking him in his room and, like, only letting him go to the bathroom. Yeah. And it's like, you're really not? Well, because, you know, Jehovah's don't celebrate birthdays. Oh, wow. Yeah, because birthdays are, like, too braggadocious. (laughs) (laughs) My new favorite word. (laughs) God, that's rough. That is really rough. Imagine not having a 30-person dinner. Yeah, no, I mean, the abuse, the physical abuse was bad enough, but no birthdays? No birthdays, yeah. That's really rude. Um, So 
during all this like alone time, you know, he take he has like so many spiral journals and he's writing down rhymes and rhymes and rhymes, which made me think about raw dogging with no headphones and like how I feel like I did used to journal more as a child. Mm. And then now with my phone, he was like, ugh, like I would just walk around Yonkers and he was like, I would just think so much. Yeah. The thinking you can do when you're not listening to a goddamn podcast. <laughs> Yeah, no, I so mean, much thinking. my boy X was not listening to podcasts and it shows. It absolutely shows because he was coming up with <laughs> many a rap. So cut to when he's like later in his 20s and like teens and is like trying to get signed. I found it very interesting that Puff Daddy was like, he's too rough and I can't like market him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that faggot Puff Daddy sign- was like. <laughs> I know and didn't like sign him at first. Um, but you know, it also sounds like uh, Diddy was encouraging of him and like really pushed him to be his best and like did believe in him. Well, he did end up signing him, yeah. So, uh, and this is all alleged or whatever, but I'm sure Diddy was attracted to DMX. He's an attractive man, he's a very attractive man, and he was very cool with lesbians. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about the fact that A, his aunt was a lesbian, and he was just like. My aunt was a lesbian, and I didn't really think that was weird. And then she was always bringing around girlfriends, and their girlfriends were always bringing around girlfriends. And there was this, like, full Albert house going on in his grandma's house. And he was always, like, they would be, like, having so many parties when he was 12. And then being, like, uh, we're going into the bedroom and, like, shutting the door and doing grown folks things. And you can just, like, hang out in the living room. <laughs> I know. It was, like, this full Tampa Bay's, like, poly scenario. And he's, like, first he was, like, my Aunt Verna didn't, like, take too much crap, if you know what I mean. And then... Few paragraphs later, he's like, "So she was a lesbian, right?" No, because he starts out being <laughs> yeah. just like, "She was like a sturdy woman or something." He said something, <laughs> and my like my radar goes off. And then three paragraphs later, he's just like, "She was a straight up lesbian." Verna is also a very lesbian name. Verna, yeah, yeah, it's got a nice solidity Aunt to Verna. it. Verna, a real hard, hard femme. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, yeah, that's cool. Although he does, you know, there is a lot of references um, to people taking up the ass as a negative. And I just will put this out there as a criticism of hip hop, especially at this time <laughs> in the lyrics. It seems like you are saying that being a homosexual and specifically being the penetrative receptive partner is bad. And I don't know if I, you know, if I am OK with that. We get so Diane Keaton and something's gotta give. <laughs> Jack Nicholson is like listening to hip hop and she's like, I'm sorry. Why does every word have to rhyme with bitch? <laughs> uh, but he's really creative at coming up with a lot of different words to rhyme with bitch. I was, okay, so in one of his like first battles and he's like going to all these Yonkers battles and it's like he battled this guy Bill Blass, who I was like obsessed that this guy's name is Bill Blass. Yeah, no, that that stuck out to me. And this was like, <laughs> it was like not this like gay iconic designer. Um, and he was like the biggest man to beat in the town at the time. Let me see if I have the rhyme. But so this guy just like they're roasting each other, and it's like, wait, this is the one where he was like, you chug, like you butt chugger. It was the but the word butt was in it a lot. 
Is this the rhyme you're talking about? Was, no, this one was he was just so like your mother's like a bitch and she like sucks my dick and she's ugly. <laughs> oh yeah. He, <laughs> he no, was because I'm just like, be like I, I went in for the kill. Like I decided to get really personal and hit him where it hurt. No, no, that was I love it. He goes, I decided to get really disrespectful. <laughs> and it's just like and, it, and then it's just be like, Your mother's fat and your sister's ugly, and I fucked them both and then I killed them. And you're just like, Okay, I mean, I don't know if that actually is that personal, to be honest. <laughs> no, but I think the butt chugging one, there was one where he was like, I drilled holes in your ass and like <laughs> blood is like coming out of it. What what's interesting to think, so he talks a lot about um pussy in this book and sort of achieving it, getting it. He does lose his V card at 14 to like a 26-year-old woman who lives in his building. Um, and he was just like, and thinking back, she did take advantage of me, but I was into it. And it's like <laughs> And then he's like, and from that moment on, just like I could, I was always trying to get pussy um, and sort of like talks about the different ways that you can get pussy. But I do feel like he's never bragging about the size of his member. And I'm like, normal no, boots, because maybe? I think it's normal boots. And because he well, he talks about when he like went to prison, it was like because it was like low security. He was like, actually, the worst part was like getting no pussy because I've been getting it on the regular. Yeah. But I feel like he was I was kind of surprised because sometimes I felt like he was kind of having a dry spell where he he was winning all these rap battles. And he was like, yeah, funny enough, I actually wasn't getting pussy from them and it took him a while to then win i think get some more confidence i see it as when he finally shaved his head yeah is when he definitely found some power in that and then his first love is this girl who's from connecticut the muslim girl yeah who he had had like a vision of when he was a kid and by vision he just oh no 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 no. this is before her he had like a girlfriend from connecticut who like had a car and they were like inseparable and he was oh and that's right and then like he like saw her in stanford and he was like in line for the club and she was like wait why don't we meet up today and he was like i was looking for you and it's kind of like what is this story about you guys like not not meeting up in stanford he calls her and is like i'm coming to stanford and she's like okay sketchy and so he goes to the mall she works at and she's like meet me at nine but i think it's just like he had been in jail for three months and she didn't expect him to like show up at the mall right so she just doesn't go to meet him and so he's like pissed and then they get in a fight outside this club she's like well who would come to stanford without money anyway and he was just like literally me i'm into you she was just like, <laughs> yeah <really hurt." laughs> i mean honestly it reminds me of the time i went to stanford to interview for the jerry springer show after i was like an intern for them in chicago i went to stanford and you to- had no money in your pocket it felt like that i don't know i was so like walking from the metro north and it was like so windy and desolate and a highway and he is like damn stanford is not like yonkers like it's not walkable yeah and then I like left my interview and I was in my H&M suit dress pants, just being kind of like walking along a semi sidewalk highway, like getting back on the train. So I did have money, but <laughs> you didn't have to again set your pit bull on a grandma to rob her to get back yeah. on the train, which he does Very- later do. He trains his dogs uh, to become thieves. <laughs> he also... <laughs> Okay, he does train his dog to do, like, kill raccoons. And cats, which <laughs> and was really, cats. really triggering. Hard for us as a cat pod. I mean, as you know, I'm, like, famously anti-dog and pro-cat when I'm just reading about him being like, yeah, and then I got my dog to kill these stupid cats. I was just like, well, this is, this." I feel a little bit justified because dogs literally are evil and kill for sport. I mean, cats kill for sport, too, but they kill mice and rabbits. 
Yeah. And like, yes, last night did my cat try to take the top of the goldfish tank off and get in there? Yeah, I mean, cats, I guess I'm not saying cats aren't sadistic, but I'm just saying they're cute. Yeah, cats are cuter and they are murderers um, as well. But yeah, I guess it was sad because then at one point he hangs this cat from a tree to teach his dog how to jump, which I did find kind of funny. <laughs> Sorry, sick and twisted animal humor, anyone? Um, <laughs> but then... I was like literally just crying on my couch like two hours ago because his dog Boomer was his best friend and a van kills his dog. Well, that's not as traumatizing as his first dog, uh, Blackie, who got murdered by the police. Do you remember the scene where they they literally shoot the dog? Okay, no, I guess I skimmed that part. I mean, the trauma. And then this other, his Boomer, the other dog, he sees literally like flip in the air 10 times over. And the van just keeps on driving keeps on going so wait okay speaking of trigger warning more animal death do you remember the scene with the butterfly no okay i'm gonna i'm gonna this will be like the first time you heard it because this was really beautiful and this actually thinks speaks to i think dmx is a really beautiful soul and he is very very emotional and thoughtful he's been through a lot of trauma in his life and he puts that into his art um so here's thing is like he was very very smart and he was always like doing really well in school and like that was partly why he was so like badly behaved because he was always like finishing the test before everyone else and then being like well i want to like fuck around and like i'm not being challenged enough at my school and so you know then i'm gonna start to just like do other shit and throw spitballs and that sort of like escalated over time to when he like did commit arson at the other school and then was like always getting arrested for robbing but early on as a child he finds this like butterfly outside and he's like so excited about it and it's flapping around and he manages to catch it in a jar and then he like covers it with the lid and then he like has it next to his bed and he's so excited but it's so beautiful and it's like wings are probably like the most beautiful things i've ever seen he wakes up the next morning and the butterfly obviously is dead and he realized that he forgot to like punch holes in the top so this is him talking about that i couldn't believe that i'd forgotten to do that because of how excited i was when i caught it because all i was thinking about was how cool it was to have i didn't even give that butterfly a chance to live Now my butterfly was dead. Grandma tried to console me, but I cried and cried. Being selfish, I'd fucked around and killed the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my life. Isn't that so, so poignant? So beautiful. I just, you know, I think that that part really endeared me to him. And I think it really, like, cast a beautiful light on... All of the stuff he does in the book, because, you know, everything is really just like his story. And as aggressive as he is, you know, it's all just like the, you know, it's all coming from this really hard won emotion that, that he's that he's felt and, and that he's experienced. Every time I feel like one of the dog deaths happen, he was so just like, oh, God, like, is this like Judgment Day and all like the Jehovah right. guilt and just like has been through so much and is just like, especially when it's like all the drama with his dad. Yeah, his dad bounced but then his dad was like a watercolorist and like this one time his dad and i feel like he you know throughout the book he gives like forgiveness i think to his parents at the end of the book because he's like that's the only way i can move on but i feel like these reflections that he's like as when he's telling Smokey D. Fontaine, where he's like, see what my pa- like mom or dad said there like they weren't like how are you like i miss you they were like do you have a lawyer? Yeah. Or just like, no, I think Smokey is like helping like elucidate those points for him. Just be like, and this was that another moment where it's like the parent could have said something to show that they cared and then they didn't. And there was like very few moments where they, they did. This time that his dad like 
says he wants to see him and he shows up to like one of his like rap battles and it's like one of the more like official shows he's having he's like looks at this guy and he was like he was wearing leg warmers dmx and and dmx is like i'm talking multiple (laughs) pairs of leg warmers red corduroy (laughs) pants red corduroy shirt with elbow patches he was like no this cannot like just like this alternative is not my dad and then the dad does just ask him like do you have a lawyer i think his dad is trying to give him like fatherly advice to make sure he's not getting like screwed over right but dmx is a little bit just like why not like a how are you or like and i miss yeah, you hello, first kind of just like this fake it's very i know you didn't watch the second season of cheer but just like this girl on cheer her dad who was like she's it's the girl from boston and her dad was like arrested for rape and he's finally out of jail and he's calling her and like trying to get her an agent and she's kind of just like i'm actually not trying to hear your random advice right now because you were in jail for rape <laughs> my whole life um wow that sounds intense yeah i need to finish watching um that netflix original series cheer uh yeah, I mean, you know, parent relations are hard. Um, and, you know, it can be tough to connect with your child. And then there's always, I mean, I feel yeah. like we've seen this also in a lot. It's like very Janice Dickinson. And then it's like, and then you're suspicious of the parent when they kind of like come back when you start to get a little bit of heat on you, you know, and then all of a sudden you're cool. And now your parent wants to talk. And it's a little like you're being right. Saved. I mean, yeah, you don't, like, trust it. Another thing of his, like, relationship, after the Connecticut girl, like, we're to assume there are a lot of, like, random girls, but then Well, he, he does. I mean, because he, he moves to New Rochelle, he's being like, then I was getting pussy, like, regularly. And it sounds like there was always just, like, a steady stream of pussy. Right, I know. But then he's, like, I feel like he's very, like, trying to, like, respect his wife because he never, he's, like, not bragging about it so much in an Anthony Kiedis yeah, way. You know what I mean? He knows his wife is reading this. That's the vibe of so this book. Like, yeah, is my wife did because <laughs> then he's like, my favorite thing to do is just to watch movies and drink iced tea with my wife. <laughs> Celebrity book club. This episode is sponsored by Zocdoc. You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms: achy back, headache, runny nose, itchy eye, wart on my genitals. So let me guess, you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Suddenly I have cancer? Uh, no thank you. (laughs) There are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. Though randoms, I love you, and my TikTok addiction, yeah, it stands. But I'm sorry, Lily, you shouldn't be getting medical advice from some girl in her grandmother's basement in Toronto. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. That's right. Ditch the talk, get the doc. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Mm, I love a trusted guide, like the time I climbed to Machu Picchu on the Inca Trail with a team of Sherpas. 
Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. So find your Sherpa at ZocDoc.com. Go to ZocDoc.com slash book club and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Slay. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash book club. ZocDoc.com slash book club. Ditch the talk. Um, I want to talk about this part when he'd gotten his one of his songs on WBLS, one of my favorite radio mm. stations, 107.5. But he's like, okay, I need to get it on Hot 97. And so he like, he sees Wendy Williams' car double parked. Because, you know, back then, it wasn't just TikTok, okay? You had a tape and you had to give it to someone. No, it was really IRL. I mean, the running around, the records. I mean, people were pressing mixtapes to vinyl. I saw Wendy Williams walking out. Wendy was the biggest female personality on the station. She had a primetime slot, and because of all the Howard Stern-like gossiping she did about everybody in hip-hop, she was becoming one of the most known and most hated radio people on the East Coast. She had double parked, but now the car that was next to the curb had pulled off, so she was running to get her joint out of the middle of the street. (laughs) All right, all right, give me one. She told Wall in a hurry. Wendy wasn't the best person to give Can't Touch Me Kid to. She wasn't a lover or a mix show DJ like Red Alert or Funk Master Flex, but at least she would hear it and hopefully talk about it. As I watched her drive away, I felt like Wall and I had accomplished something. Then I saw something that I couldn't believe. There, lying on the ground, was the record Wall had just given her. That fucking bitch <laughs> dropped my single on the street. I was crushed. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy was like, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Obsessed with her. Throwing this huge, I know, this huge vinyl out on the street. I guess we haven't really touched base about how Sherry Shepard is replacing Wendy Williams. Uh, Yeah. And let's definitely loop back offline about that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and all I can say is that I hope it's for Wendy's best. Yes. I do think Wendy probably needs. Wendy. Wendy. A break. Um, But I hope she returns with. Just quick sidebar. Do you remember the part where he called called one of his teachers a flat ass coffee drinking bitch? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he's like sixteen and she's yelling at him for something. <laughs> I just like the most accurate like insult to law that a teacher because teachers are so drinking coffee. Have flat ass that are just like always drinking like weak coffee, and you're like, damn, that's all you do. <laughs> weak ass teachers lounge coffee bitch. Like, especially as a kid, you're always just like, what is up with grownups and coffee? Okay, (laughs) crazy question. When did you start drinking coffee? (laughs) Thank you for asking. Um, It was actually, I was not like till I was like 25. It was kind of like post. 25? Yeah, it was like post my politics That's also when you started drinking off as well. Yes, it was. I think it was actually really because when I came became freelancer and it was always, always like, I don't need it. Like, I don't want that. Like, I don't need the energy. You know, it's like, I have enough natural energy coursing through my mm. young twenties veins. And I also just thought that like coffee was for grownups and did taste bitter and gross. Right. You're like, I need something sweet. Well, I wasn't even like wanting something sweet. I just literally just like, actually wait, I would have like ocean spray crayon in the morning and like a bagel. Um, <laughs> Big ocean spray. You're like, you're in like Fide opening up this ocean spray. Well, 
that's okay. That's just like me being real. And then I think like once I started being freelancer, I was like addicted to like because freelancing is about like pretending. You know what I mean? And coffee is the ultimate prop. So I kind of became more like I need somebody give me my coffee so I can write this email. Um, And well, and it's a chance to go out. I mean, yeah, chance to leave. Chance to leave the old apartment. Leave the old house. Well, and especially because our, our apartment in our early 20s was ridden with bed bugs. So we needed a chance. We needed every excuse we could to leave. <laughs> I mean, I feel like my relationship copy is fully also just like fake. Like all I wanted to do was to be like a beat poet drinking coffee. So be an adult. You know what I mean? Just so wait, yeah. How up. old were you? You were 14. You were wearing I started getting iced cappuccinos from the White Hen Pantry in high school that were just like pure sugar. And so like original jangling iced coffee gay panic. And then... Your memoir is like, more than anything, I wanted to be an adult. And I wanted to go to Dunkin'. Like all I wanted was grown-up stuff. Just like coffees, iced coffees, coffee and diners. You know? For some people like DMX, grew up too early. He really did. He really did. Lot of trauma, as we mentioned. Um, okay, wait. The, do you remember the part where he was like um, talking about his some of his lyrics? And he was like, wait, I'm just going to find the... Are you talking about um, It's Dark and Hell is Hot, which was like his first big album off of Def Jam? <laughs> he goes, and while I got a lot of heat from my lyrics on X's Coming, and then in parentheses the lyrics... If you got a daughter older than 15, I'm a raper. <laughs> Those critics seem to forget that I had a prayer on the album as well. <laughs> Just like actually back it up, critics. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I said I would rape your 15-year-old daughter. Um, Yeah, there's also prayer. And I am a man of God. Wait, but then the next line is, ironically, a woman actually did charge me with rape that summer. Purely a case of mistaken identity. I wasn't even at the party where the alleged assault took place. You just hear the lawyers being like, alleged, alleged, alleged. Alleged. Okay. That's what I was saying. It was like, and that's right before when he finally gets married to his longtime wife. And he's like, totally ironically, as featured in the Alanis Morissette song, woman accused me of rape, um, was not there. (laughs) Just let's slide that in, which is... (laughs) One of life's classic little ironies. <laughs> Was wondering, I mean, hip-hop historians, get at me if I'm wrong, but here are some lyrics where I'm like, was he the originator of making Sesame Street badass? And kind of like using Sesame Street lyrics to like a lot of clothing of like having Oscar the Grouch with like a gold chain and like, you know. Do you have the lyric that you're referencing? I have the lyric. Yeah, he's like, yo, I have this dream that I've been having a lot, which that's so me. That's I've been so you to be like, I've been having I've been a dream that I've been having. I just, you're always like, I'm remembering a memory. (laughs) (laughs) That Sesame Street turned into a crack spot. All of them dead, not a sound to be heard from the monster, the count, the grouch, or Big Bird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, just I wonder if he is the originator of like making... Of Sesame stuff? Like badass Sesame Street stuff. I mean, listen, it's, you know, Sesame Street, you know, they're street. It's in the name. They are street. They are raised on these streets. I like the part where he talks about how, like, he was not sort of, like, in the uh, the fashionable um, type of man that ladies wanted in the 80s. Because, like, girls wanted to fuck, like, Prince. And so they wanted, like, 
And like they wanted to fuck like Latin guys or guys with like green eyes or like puffy ass collars and like sort of more (laughs) like feminine men. And he was just like, sorry, like. But even later, I feel like he is a little more like like he does get like cool Rough Riders jerseys and like gets cool leather jackets. But like he is more about being like shirtless with pants. Yeah, which is extremely hot. Um, And he like talks about all these other rappers that have like gorgeous leather jackets. And he's like, that wasn't really me. Like, I kind of, my thing was just like chain, shirtless, sweatpants. Um, which is, well, he was, you know, he was like, he couldn't afford clothes a lot. And then he was always like right. stealing shearling jackets. Like that was a big thing. But then he would like sell it to like get drugs. We should talk about the drug stuff uh, briefly, just because, you know, it is it's obviously important to his story. And he did die of a oh, drug overdose. Okay. Um, Cocaine-induced heart attack. Right. And, you know, he talks, like, uh, he talks very briefly in his teens about, like, getting introduced to drugs and then, like, wanting to do them more and more and, like, smoking crack-laced pot. And, you know, it's like, and then, like, you know, this period where he was just, like, super, like, kind of cracked out on the street and he was, like, embarrassed to, like, run into his sister because he, like, felt like he was, like, really losing it. But, like, he kind of, like, I don't know. Then he kind of moves on from that section and it's briefly mentioned, but it doesn't like come back as like a demon that's haunting him, I guess. No, I know. And I was wondering about that because I feel like it does come back. But I think what happens is like, right, he's smoking weed and then does like get more like hooked on crack and like gets out of it. And so this goes to show that weed is a gateway drug. It is. Coffee, so, then weed. Coffee, then, coffee then weed. weed. together. Then coffee and weed together. Then coffee laced weed. And then you're dead. So, but also, it's like, do be careful. Stick to CBD flavored seltzer. Absolutely. Know who you're getting it from. <laughs> yeah. Know who you're getting your like day trip <laughs> hemp infused seltzer from. Know the deli you're buying recess <laughs> CBD seltzer your from. Asa- acai pomegranate recess. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to mention. Oh, you know, he did have asthma as a child, which, of course, I related to as a sufferer of asthma. Um, asthma is also a, a big issue in urban communities um, because of air quality and pollution. And as someone who suffered, you know, it is an undiscussed uh, ailment, under-discussed ailment, I think, for a lot of kids. And, you know, it's often seen as, oh, you're seen as a bitch-ass little pussy if you're coughing. Uh, if you can't run the half mile road race with the other kindergartners because you need to get your nebulizer. Or a bitch ass if you have a inhaler. Right. I mean, I'm guilty of that. I will say I thought you were always making fun of people who had like inhalers were little bitches. But yet I still can't like run without getting out of breath. So right. Who's and who's laughing now? now? And now I can run a mile on the treadmill and then stop. <laughs> Um, and I can run a few blocks, stop, pick up again, <laughs> stop. Okay, I was also just one more thing I was wrong. He does talk about belly. Um, I forgot this part where he like, <laughs> this is also again him like a like being so like my wife is reading this is like he had a sex scene. So he told his wife to stay home that day. Um, <clears throat> and also, uh, yeah, because I want to get into how, in, what are they called? Intimacy um, advisors on movies. And he is coordinating top stuff. <laughs> He's coordinating the sex scene. DMX has been the intimacy coordinator, you're saying? Yeah. He's like, okay, he's like, okay, so this is what's going to happen. 
they were like, they want me to fuck you from behind. I'm going to do a few pumps. So then I'm like lifting up your left leg. <laughs> then I'm going to flip you over. <laughs> um, take, hello, take all the romance out of it, right? Hello. <laughs> um, that's so like anytime an actor is talking about a sex scene, they're like, here's the thing that most people don't realize. Shooting a sex scene is incredibly unsexy. It's- it's totally all these people are watching. Seventy people are cold. Watching. You're so cold. You're wrapped in so many sheets. You have to do ten takes. It's the least erotic thing on the planet. And then the only other thing I wanted to bring up, which I was just like his determination of like rapping and how beautiful it was, was like when he he gets like beaten almost to death and he gets his jaw wired, wired shut. shut for three yeah. months. Wait, and of course, Kanye West then, also has a, had his jaw wired shut. And friend of the pod, Alex Schmidt. And friend of the pod, Ann Coulter, also had her jaw wired shut after oh, surgery. Yeah. Talk about a hip-hop supergroup. Um, <laughs> Kanye, DMX, Alex. Alec, friend of the pod, Alex Schmidt, and artist Body Confidence, and Ann Coulter. Love to see what they'd come up with in this studio. <laughs> in heaven. <laughs> um. Anyway, he still, like, he, like, starts to rap and his jaw is hurting, but he's like, I need to push through and, like, do this battle. Like, post the job no just wired. like you podcasting after your top surgery i no, mean warrior status little war- me sliding up in this rolling chair adjusting this this soundproofing folder putting up curtains yeah no it's basically the same thing it, uh truly iconic <laughs> let's make you an honorary rough rider celebrity book club Segments. Segments. What does she read? What does she wear? How does she live? Um, what does she eat? What does she eat? He actually really, I mean, it is He's a little more. I know, and I'm obsessed with it. I should say. He like is, I feel like he's thin. I mean, he is being like sort of poor to the boots and is always like, I was hungry and like didn't have food. And we're like fighting over cereal. And we're fighting over cereal and he's like stealing cereal from his like roommates' cabins like at the group home. And he's like, those were the best meals we had. But it's not, I feel like when he, when he starts to get really successful and like he's a little more just like, oh, can I get a Heineken? In his like Phoenix flashbacks, like he's being more Heineken, yeah. he's less like, oh yeah. Then we went to Ruth's Chris's, and like he's not being so pu- like with Puff Daddy. I feel like going yeah. and getting such a tuna tower. No, I don't think it's an ahi tower. I mean, I wonder if it's just like simple, like simple steak, like one bite for me, one bite for my dog, and he's just sharing a steak with his. Well, dog. that was so cute. He was like me and Boomer shared literally everything. Yeah, it's really Food. adorable. I mean, vegetables, I don't think he was seeing a lot of vegetables in his childhood, but I'm like, what were, you know, does does he fucks with a salad? Like, it's cut to 2010, your DMX, it's the middle of the day, are you having a Caesar? Am I crazy? I think he is, I think he's a little more Cobb, actually. Okay, we want like a, a few more food groups Hard-boiled in there. egg, turkey, like it's more protein- like, I could see some Cobbs or Caesars being sent to the studio. I guess you're right. If it's food being sent to the studio, it's maybe not a Caesar. And that's going to be wet with all the equipment. I mean, not that a Cobb also can't be wet as well, but... But a Caesar just <laughs> sort of has to be wet at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I do think it's like a meatloaf steak, maybe like a 
a turkey club. Okay. It's always protein-based. But I also bet he, like, now and then will, like, fuck with the pasta, but rarely. Like, I could see him being like, that actually makes me gassy. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's tracking for me. Because he's not so coffee. No, he's not coffee. And he's not so dairy. And he's not being so shrimp Alfredo. And again, this is where he's not that Ruth's Chris's. Yeah, I think it's a little more like Heineken steak. Okay, um, what does he wear? Well, he's obsessed with hoodies. I'll tell you that right now. I feel like his whole, like, the amount of times the word hoodie appears in this book is maybe like 100 times where he's talking about like what he wore. And it's like, he that's his comfort space. And like, obviously the hoodies became more expensive as time went on. Okay, but then he's wearing this like amazing, almost like overall-esque outfit here. This fat farm Oh, that, piece. that fat farm? Yeah. That, I mean, that's a cool piece. Yeah, that I that's think a cool is piece. really cool. I mean, that's also just like a large sort of like late 90s like windbreaker material like jumpsuit kind of thing. It's in jumpsuit, camo. I feel like, no, but then, and then he's in, so he's doing a lot of overalls. A lot of overalls. I mean, his thing is like the goal is like big chain. Yeah, I mean, those are styled top, photo I mean, shoots. And I do think there's like, you know, I appreciate that. There is a homoeroticism to his shoots and his sexuality um, in a way that, you know, not necessarily all of the rappers were doing at this time. Well, he is not afraid of yeah showing some skin. It's he's very shirtless. Yeah, and but very but even in the erotic in a way. But I'm saying like, even that like that overall pick like this isn't just like oh you're wearing a beater like this is like an overall to me is way like gayer and more sexual in this way because it's like the reference is not just like oh I'm at home like the reference is like. I am like this fashion worker and it's like a little bit loose and it's like, and like you might see the nipple and, but then you're not fully seeing the nipple. Like just shirt off is just kind of like not necessarily erotic in the same way as an overall is. I think it might. And sorry, just to stand for my man DMX here, Rip, I don't think he'd want you be calling him gay on this pod. Well, I'm allowed to interpret his fashion choices. However, I choose. I, do, I mean, I look, we are free here in America, okay? I don't think those overalls and t-shirts is homoerotic. I think that's like a little more just evoking general workwear and kind of being... I, I think that anytime that you're showing a nipple and it's not beca- just because you're shirtless, that that is more erotic than just being shirtless. Sorry. I'm saying erotic. I guess I'm like... It's, an, it's intentional. It is intentional. I guess I'm just saying like, I don't think he's trying to attract men there with a homoeroticism i think you can he's celebrating just his straight sexuality with showing one nipple so you're saying a firehouse is not homoerotic there's nothing homoerotic about that because they all have wives a firehouse is very homoerotic because they cook together every single night right so i think it's evoking firehouse culture in which case there's a homoeroticism there I guess here he's wearing like goggles. I think he's just kind of like playing with a little more streetwear pieces than being homoerotic. And I'll die on this hill of overalls. I guess I think there is this thing of like overalls have gotten gayer over time because like gays are being. I'm not talking about the contemporary reference of overalls. I'm talking about at this moment in time, that structure to the overalls, that suggestion of the nipple. There is something more playful there that you're just going to have to deal with. This photo is gayer to me where he is, the overalls are just completely undone and he's 
Wait, can kind you show of it puffing to the camera? out the chest. Yeah. This to me is a gayer photo. Huh. Yeah. I see what you mean because, well, the, the zipper coming down there with the. It's like, yeah, it's like the a fly unzipped. And yet, I do think one overall on is still a little bit gayer. <laughs> <laughs> There's this scene where someone. Because also that checked. evokes like a purse and you know that's gay. Okay. That, wait, having one. One strap oh, is, is evoking one purse, strap. bitch. <laughs> Well, I guess another gay thing is like the first thing he does is like get dog collars made, which is very fed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and then okay, and then one I I still do think his big overall is straight, but then this is another gay moment where he's like he had just gotten his new Rough Rider jerseys and he's like, some guy spills a drink on him, and he's like, not just any drink, like a fruity, like mango just like a fruity cocktail and he's like seriously oh and it's so colored like, fruity and it's so cocktail yeah. yeah and i will bring up fruity cocktails in the vip lounge because i have something to say about them <laughs> oh did you have fruity cocktails at the podcast uh oh, yeah. conference that you went to and it was and it was the only option oh because was the audible.com sponsored cocktail <laughs> yeah. okay wait, i really can't <laughs> wait to hear about this in the vip lounge okay how does she live how does she live? I mean, what's cool is he's like a hometown girl and he's like still coming back to Yonkers after all this time. And like, that's just like where he feels comfy. Yeah. With his, you know, wife. I mean, that is pretty cool. He dreamed of this. How often does that happen? You see this hot chick in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You're young. And then you end up marrying her, you know? God, if only I'd married my next door neighbor, Paulina Metropolis. <laughs> Think where I'd be now. Exactly. <laughs> You saw her in her Greek robe, and and then she shows up one day, and you just have to try really hard, but you finally do marry her. Finally marry. Convince her mom that I'm right. Yeah. How does he live? I mean, I want to say it's big sectional. It's comfy. Yeah. He's comfy boots. Not getting a ton of interior design choices, but maybe there's like so many framed dog too much frame dog photography photography like swarovski encrusted dog statues maybe i think it's more that and like right framed like records and like crazy dog sculptures versus having like such a basket of like weird dog toys that are like fake ducks and stuff. Yeah, I like don't that. think he's no, I don't think he is some like <laughs> dimness <laughs> podcaster couple with their basket full of like bespoke ass chewy.com toys. <laughs> <laughs> These plugs are playing with like the bodies of cats they've murdered. <laughs> yeah. It is crazy what he described, and he's like, here's the thing about raccoons. When they, and he's like really going through the process, and he's like, when they are murdered, their eyes do bug out a lot. (laughs) He's like, the thing about a raccoon is they're kind of big, but they're the same weight as a really large cat. So for my pets, like, they could take either one. I do think raccoons are like really cute, like when you see them up close, and then you kind of, like, there are parts of them that I find really cute. And like a little part of me is like, okay, right, I wish but I we could discriminate against you. them because they eat garbage. 
Well, aren't they like mean too? Or is that just a stereotype? I think that's a stereotype because they come out at night and we're like so, like we're so anti like nocturnal creature. It's like the same way that we're anti like people who are in the nightlife industry because they're nocturnal and we assume that they're like ill behaved and they're, they're miscreants. And this they're is now a raccoon pod. Yes. And like yeah. raccoons are clubbers and they are women of the night and like they need to be respected. Right. And they're like curvy and they have these like tiny hands it's but like so, big stomachs. It's so like clever to be tiny. <laughs> And big stomach. <laughs> no, the tiny hands are cute. Um, I just remember I walked by this one that was like, eating out of the trash, and I was like, "Damn, okay, right, you're fit, sexy. They're freaking. Um, so yeah, I do think it is like gorgeous, custom crystal dog sculptures, yeah. around the house, and then like framed records, and may I think it's like he is so scrapbook. I feel like he is a little maybe like framing some of his lyrics on. But would he frame his lyrics or would he just like, or would it be like, okay, like there's like photos of family. I mean, this is pretty much like in everyone's house and that's not that like wild. So photos of family. (laughs) Wild of me to conjecture. Um, But maybe it's more like there's like a beautiful, like a note that like, that MC of the like Yonkers, like that, like Big Daddy Kane, fast gave him in 1996, and it's like the framed I was, note, yeah, ephemera. I see that framed ephemera, uh, right? Frame note. I was going through like some of his older original tracks, and it is interesting to hear his more just like early 90s, totally old school rap style, like pre when he became like so. Give a dog a bone, like Rough Rider. I feel like it was softer, but right, yeah, he hadn't found his voice yet. He was, yeah, it was less growl. But I think that was him, like being like, "Oh, I should probably like sound like you know these older rappers," and he hadn't found like his full dog self yet. You know, in the way that we started sounding like Mark Marin at first when we started potting. Um. Okay, who are you in the book? This part, do I have it? This is so me. I had stolen some Tims I was wearing that night, and they were a few sizes too big for my feet. To make them fit, I balled up some sweat stocks and stuffed them in the front of each boot. She didn't have to see that because I didn't walk that night. Wait, I thought of you also <laughs> at this. This is so you he at Sabres, these- like, buying Tims that are too big. You're like, it's fine, they fit. It's fun just being like, I'm hoping to like wear them to impress a girl, but like wearing them to an event. So like, hopefully I will just kind of have to sit or stand and not really like clomp around. Yeah, no, your your foot dysmorphia uh, I'm rages always, on. always wearing shoes too big. So in that sense, I am X. Yeah. Um, who am I? Am I like one of the kids at one of the group homes who got made fun of for his big nose as a kid? I mean, I saw some parts of, you know, X and U where, you know, I feel like you have a dream and you're just going to go after mm, it. Dog with a bone. Yeah. Yeah. A dog with a bone. That's that's generous, I suppose. I guess I feel like, I mean, I thought, I, I, I do find him inspiring as a figure. I, 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 I wasn't necessarily. I wouldn't say you're fully X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I've been to jail. Been arrested four times, spent the night in jail twice. I felt the cold steel of handcuffs on my thin, delicate little wrists. And um, God damn it, if I didn't escape when I had the chance. So in that sense, I also didn't relate to him because I was just like, huh, well, I never sort of broke out of jail and that sounded cool. Mm. 
right. And I kind of was like, you should have in the day, the day you spent there, you should have run away. I should have run away. I should have broke out of <laughs> the holding facility in Red Hook. <laughs> um, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, am I ex? Am I the lesbian aunt having parties and being like, don't come into my room? I do think we are the lesbians at his aunt's yes. house. Yes, okay. We are the lesbians <laughs> having crazy parties. Crazy times in the 90s. <laughs> Old school. Very much stay tuned for the VIP lounge coming up right the fuck now, where we are going to get into Lily's first big conference slash summit, which I really can't wait to hear about. You're really going to want to listen, no pun intended, because it was a podcast summit. <laughs> lanyards drinks q a sessions seated panels standing room only panels wristbands coat check um, um i'm on the fucking edge of my similar to a dmx seat. concert yeah. <laughs> basically <laughs> you be, you had a battle okay. yes <laughs> yeah no it was basically a rap battle you rap battled with um a, an associate producer Lindsay. for radio lab and shit went all the way down uh, and you'll hear about it right now in the VIP lounge. And for those of you who don't rough, sub, rough. Um, sorry, losers. But for those of you who do, uh, we'll see you now. Yeah. Best. Welcome to the VIP lounge. That's right. Here we are again, still talking, still alive, still podcasting. Still kicking, and we are reporting live after the event of the year. Of course, I am not talking about Putin's invasion of the Ukraine. I'm talking about Lily Murata's invasion of the White Hotel in downtown Brooklyn, New York. Okay, so the White Hotel is actually in Williamsburg. And that is what I meant. Thank you. Wow, Sad, have you ever even been to the White? Um, yeah, uh, I, I actually, I have been to the wife and I've stayed there and I've, um, and I've fucked totally. a guy there. Awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, did that happen in your dreams? <laughs> okay. So let's just fill our listeners in. So you went to, <laughs> I like, honestly, like I was, I, I was like, I heard a rumor about this summit and I was like, wait a minute, there's a summit happening. But then I was like, going to be out of town. I was like, well, Lily will go. But I didn't really realize like this was a full up summit like every joke i've ever wanted to make about a summit like this was was a summit like. no this was amazing opportunity brought to us um by one of our producers and i feel like we both were like i like th- also assumed it was going to be on zoom and then i like looked it up and i was like hold on it's at the white hotel like wait a second there's free lunch and then i was like wait a second chuck d hip-hop legend public enemy is gonna be there oh damn and then I was like, Radio Lab is going to be there? This is a full-ass summit? And that was just a taste of the VIP lounge. Subscribe on patreon.com slash cbcthepod to get more content like that every single week for only $5 a month. Again, that's patreon.com slash cbcthepod. For $5 a month, you get access to the VIP lounge every single week. That's more Stephen and Lily every single week for only $5 a month. VIP. Subscribe. Rush!
Stubby Book Club is presented by Pelop Projects. The show is produced by Dog Magmer Knight with editorial support from Poundmaster Leon Nafok, Andrew Parsons, Madeline Kaplan. Our production manager, Meow, is Persia Berlin. Original theme song by Stephen Phillips' horse. His rhymes fucking blow. Fuck your mother. I run by Teddy Blanks and Chips and Y. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Follow us on Twitter at CBC The Pod. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave a review in my cage. And don't forget to tell your dogs about us. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.